just something ripping curious about this broadcast. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Extra. All systems remain nominal, 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 nominal. Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal Extra, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. Well, we've reached September and this episode goes out a little bit later than it normally would. And well, to be honest with you, September isn't a great month for looking up at the skies, but we have one person on the line who will be able to help us out with what to look out for. Russ Hockham from UK Astronomy, how are you doing, sir? Here we go again, eh? Yep. Definitely. How are you doing anyway? Yeah, really good. Really good. It's been really busy lately, hasn't it? It's been been mad. Usually, the sort of summer months are a little bit quieter for astronomy because the nights aren't that clear. The sun gets in the way generally for us, so we don't get that darker nights. But we've had loads of stuff, haven't we? Loads of fates and things and all sorts of stuff going on. So it's been brilliant. There's been a lot of things like um, Live in the Park, which will be coming up at some point soon on the garbage pod actually more likely than tgp nominal but uh, uh you were involved with that as you are well you have been for the last was it four years now something like that yeah yeah i think that was a fourth one i think give or take yeah it's been really good hopefully um, there'll be more <laughs> oh there'll always be something like it if anybody knows Aylesbury, it used to be in the market square the original thing there used to be called hobble on the cobbles <laughs> um, like it <laughs> And that, that went for, oh, blimey, I think from the 1960s. Um, and then eventually they decided that the event was going to be too big to be held there anymore. So why not hold it in the in the park? So. Works well there. Works really well from everything that I've learned from it. Really good. And apparently uh, over the two days of the event, because it is live in the park, it's part of the, the park life event. Um, I think they said something like 15,000 people attended over the two days. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> it's quite good. This last year it was a little bit rainy, I think, from what I recall this year. Absolutely boiling. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? Just. Was, it was perfect for me because we were doing solar observing. So, you know, there was, we were lucky. There was no sunspots again, though. No sunspots at all. But there was a flare or two. So they did get to see a flare coming out the side of the sun. But what's going on with the sun, man? Where are all the sunspots? <laughs> Our colleague, uh, Alan Taylor Shearer, came over to see you guys. And um, he was actually blown away by the fact that he actually saw a solar flare. <laughs> yeah, not many people get to see him. Uh, it's, it is cool to like, look there and just think you're actually seeing you know a piece of the sun being pulled out by like magnetic loops and stuff like that and when you explain it to people it's like the size of three earths and things you think wow that's actually right there on the sun now well eight minutes ago or so but <laughs> right there never been able to see that unless you have a dedicated scope that does that you won't be able to see it unless of course you can just look you know on the internet mm-hmm. it's not the same is it it's not the same no definitely not but it was a great event um it was hard work for me because that weather is an absolute killer when you're wandering around getting interviews with people. I think I managed to get seven or eight of the bands that were featured this year. So that was that was good. Yeah, done um, really well there. I think we all had a good one. Yeah, well, last year I didn't quite know what I was doing with it, to be honest with you. I was just playing it by ear to see what I needed to do. Uh, this year I kind of had an idea of how it all worked. So I knew how to get 
in touch with people and I approached people beforehand and that paid off. So, yeah, that was really good for me. But as I say, we'll be talking about that on another podcast. So uh, we'll be keeping you updated on that as, as we go. Well, last time we had Live in the Park featured on one of the podcasts, it was one of our highest downloaded episodes. So um, it should be similar this year. Nice. Right. I think we're going to have a short break. And when we come back, it's time to look up at the sky. On canvas with paint in the artist's school. It is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more and what is in sight? Behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. This is TGP Nominal. Welcome back to TGP Nominal Extra. Ross, what have you got for us? Quite a bit this month. Not anything spectacular like uh, last month's Perseid Meteor Shower, which did you see any, by the way? I, I saw like two. <laughs> I, I didn't, to be honest with you. I did look. Actually, when we were at the park, uh, one of the, the girls thought she might have seen one. Yeah, yeah, I think they were just kind of fading out then. So, yeah, they, they'd still be. I mean, they, I think they're gone now completely, but yeah. We didn't. Well, the moon was in the way for most of it, and to be honest with you, the only time I got to go out was at the two events I did. So, they saw a few on the first event at Stowe. Some good pictures in the Facebook group, in the UK Astronomy Facebook group. I'll plug that now. <laughs> some really nice pictures there because actually the the category for our photo competition was meteors. So we got quite some some really nice ones that people posted and they won there. So that's really good. But no, I didn't see too many, but the moon was in the way. So hopefully next year it won't be. And speaking of the moon, that's what's going to be pretty much going on the beginning of this month. Uh, The moon is going to do what it usually does each month and kind of slip back across the sky each night. So beginning of the month, it'll be sort of more to the west and it'll slowly slip back to the east. Uh, It's first going to pass Jupiter, which has now been getting a lot lower and lower as the month's gone on so probably by the end of this month if not the next it's probably going to disappear below the horizon so you won't be able to see it again for you know until next year sometime so if you can go and have a peek at that while it's still there before it goes otherwise you probably have to wait six months something like that maybe nine months depending the moon is then going to be very close to saturn on the 8th so i'd imagine this would make a really good picture as you should hopefully be able to get both objects in one shot with a bit of camera wizardry because the moon might be quite bright so to get the Saturn as well, you might have to take two at different exposures and put them together or something like that. I'm not an astrophotography expert, so those guys I'm sure can work it out. But in the sky, you should hopefully see a little Saturn to the right of the moon on the left. So that'd be quite cool. Uh, the moon's going to continue slipping towards the east, where on the 9th, you get uh, another peek at Cassini's Moon Maiden. Haven't mentioned that in a little while, so I thought we should. Uh, if you've got a telescope... It's pretty much just a, a phenomenon caused by some highlands that are kind of pointing or jutting out into a mare, which is sort of a lower, flatter region. Yeah, it's by Montejura. We'll post it on our Facebook group to help you find it. I'm sure, I think in Mark's previous notes, if you look back 
the previous episodes he's got pictures in there all of it because we talk about every month pretty much because it's quite cool to see yeah it pretty much just looks like a, a, a maiden sitting on a rock with flowing hair it's kind of like one of those old Timothy adverts with the uh, the girl <laughs> just stuck her hair in a in a, in a river and stuck her hair back and it's just flowing backwards um, it's, it's kind of got that feel to it well, I never knew it really existed until someone had uh, I think they put it in a magazine and I saw it it does say you have to uh, kind of flip it upside down though because it is upside down unless you're using a reflector which is the mirror telescope in which case it does it for you anyway but I've seen it it's quite easy to find I took a picture as well which we can stick on while you're looking there just kind of head a little further south and uh, see if you can spot like a huge black line in uh, the Mare I'm going to say Nubium, because N-U-B-I-U-M. It's known as the straight wall, and it's actually like a lunar fault line, and it can be easily seen, even with a small telescope. It's about 70 miles long and 1,300 feet high, so it looks really cool, and it literally is a really long black sort of line, almost like a trench there, so it looks quite cool. That's I've had a look on uh, an app. I've not seen it myself, so it'll be something that I'm going to go and have a look for. Again, I'm going to stick it in the Facebook to show exactly where to go, how to see it. should be really easy. So that's enough about the moon. The planet that's at its best at the moment on the 10th is Neptune, the windy gas giant, as I call it. Uh, it reaches opposition. You will need a telescope to see it because you can't see it with the naked eye. It's quite hard to find. But on the 10th, it'll be slightly brighter and easier to find if the moon wasn't in the way. Again, the moon is kind of in the way. But on the 13th, the moon moves just below the planet. So it might be hard to spot because the moon's glare might wash it out a bit, but it'll give you quite a good indication of whereabouts the actual planet is. So when the moon then moves out of the way, like a week or so later, the planet itself is in Aquarius. Each night it does slightly move, but it will be near a nice yellow star around the time. It'll have quite a nice contrast between the blue planet and the star. So possibly a good picture opportunity if you're good at that, if you can wash out the moon and stuff. Should be quite cool. But really, it's probably the later part of the month where you're probably best trying to find it because the moon dips below the horizon and out of the way. So you can get some uh, deep sky stuff going on, which I'm hopefully going to. I wanted to go out uh, this week, but the two days I had clear were clouds. Fun. But on the 14th now, it's a full moon. And this one is the closest one to the uh, September equinox, making it dubbed the Harvest Moon which has no real significance unless you were an American Indian back in the past. That's it, really. It's just a moon. It just happens to have a name. As we know, moons have all sorts of names all through the year, just pretty much telling you which month you're in and what's going on. So this one would be about harvesting, I guess. Uh, on the 19th, now, this is a very special day because 37 years ago, on this date, I was born. So send me lots of happy returns. <laughs> in fact... I will be asking people, instead of buying me stuff or giving me money, I'm actually going to ask people if you could please name and buy a star on our UK Astronomy Virtual Sky. We have a Virtual Sky thing, and you can just, instead of donating and just donating money, which people do, which is really cool and really nice because it gets us out to do more things for people, you can actually put a star in the sky or a shooting star. Or there's all sorts of different types. Pick it. You can write a little note on there for someone if you want to. And then also... It helps us go out and teach more people because those donations then get us to go out. And that can be found on www.ukastronomy.org. Don't feel you have to in any way or form, but that's more towards my family. They have to. <laughs> so that's enough about me and promoting my stuff because that's not really fair. Uh, the 23rd. Today is officially the September equinox now, where the center of the sun's disk crosses the celestial equator. I believe it's at 8.50 a.m. 
So that means that the dark nights are coming faster now. Woohoo! That means we're getting to the good part of astronomy from sort of, I'd say, October to March. Best times, it's nice, dark, cold, brilliant. Probably not for most people, but for us crazy astronomers, we love it. So on the 25th, the moon's getting out of the way. So it's a good time to see if you can spot the elusive Neptune and its moon Triton, which can be seen going around it. Now I have to make sure, did I get that right? Because there's Titan and there's Triton, isn't there? Yeah, well, Titan is Saturn. Yep. So yeah. Because <laughs> I, always, I always get them mixed up. Don't know why. I always do. And yeah. a Titan is a big giant. Yeah, and um, it's the largest moon, isn't it, with an atmosphere and yeah. stuff around Saturn. So if you look, look at it that way, being the largest, then you think of a Titan. And yes. uh, that's the Slowly best way getting there. <laughs> Slowly getting there. There's certain things, aren't there, for some reason, for certain things that just your brain just doesn't like it doesn't work so yeah so the end of the month 25th onwards is a really good time to look for sort of dimmer objects like galaxies and nebulas and stuff like that neptune which is op opposition so it should be really good to see this is just a little sort of ad hoc me just going off on one you've got the andromeda galaxy you didn't see it last week did you when we did the uh, park life no i didn't the, i mean the pollution from the light there is it's not too bad but it's not great but we still managed to see it there, so you can see it. So Andromeda Galaxy is up towards the end of the month. It'll be quite cool to see. You can find it by find the constellation Andromeda itself, find the middle star, which is Mirac, and literally just follow the stars up that kind of reach up towards Cassiopeia, the vain queen, and there'll be a big fuzz there, and that is the Andromeda Galaxy. If you zoom in a little bit of a telescope, you can see it with the naked eye. I've seen it with the naked eye and binoculars. If you look at a telescope, you will get two little dwarf ones right near it as well. One is quite close to it, so it's a dwarf galaxy. One's a little bit further out. You know, they're gonna merge with it at some point. They're being dragged in by its gravity, so at some point they'll be part of it, and so will we, which I think we've spoken about before because it's coming towards us. Yep. So we're gonna be a part of the Andromeda 2. So that's quite cool, Andromeda 2. This time they mean so. business. <laughs> this time it's not gonna destroy everything. It'll be fine. <laughs> We're all going to live happily, make new stars, hopefully. Uh, don't forget, of course, Jupiter and Saturn are both up, as I mentioned before, just after sunset. Big white blob Jupiter, just to its left, Saturn, sort of a little smaller yellow blob. Uh, there's some lovely double stars. There's a famous one at the Swan's Head, Cygnus, which is right overhead at the moment. The Swan's Head there, have a look up there. You'll see two different sort of coloured stars. They're quite cool. You've got the Ring Nebula in Lyra, which is not far, straight up ahead again as well. I think just slightly to the right of Cygnus. It's a very, very bright star, Vega. Just kind of below that, there's two stars which are part of the little uh, diamond. And in between them is a little sort of polo mint in space, which is a dead star. That's quite cool to see. You've got the Great Hercules Globular Cluster as well. That's slightly lower to the right of Lyra. That's like a, just thousands upon thousands of stars, all in like a big glob, which is really weird to see. I never even knew they existed when I first kind of had a look. And you're kind of like, what's this then? Just out of nowhere. There's just a glob of stars. And what, I love that name, globular. <laughs> it's just brilliant, isn't it? A glob. Let's think of a technical term for it. Well, it's a glob of stars. Done. I'm, I'm wondering, because <laughs> there is a... I, I don't actually know what it means, but there is a, a Latin term or, uh, for globos or globus. Yeah. And I'm wondering so if it might it's be globe, yeah. Yeah, something to do with that. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. I've been reading quite a bit about how words have become and what they mean and the Latin of it. And when you see, when you hear the Latin and what the Latin means, it then makes sense. Mm. You're then kind of like, ah, so it means blah, blah, blah. And that is pretty much what we're looking at. Very matter of fact. 
So yeah, that's pretty much everything that's going on. Well, there's, I'd say there's a fair bit to go. Nothing, you know, once in a lifetime, but you never know. A lot of it's about the moon. I mean, to see the uh, that fault line, from what I've seen on the app, it does look really cool. And how I haven't spotted it before, I don't know. It might just be because you've only got a couple of days window, really. But that'd be a really cool thing to see. So my mission for you, Mark, for your, your next lot of notes, is I will try and get a picture of that. Go out and get it using my phone through my scope. And uh, we'll chuck it on the notes for people to see so we can actually say we've done it and found it. Awesome. recall in june we started launching our object of the month again because we we originally started doing it each month uh, and it didn't quite work out how we wanted it to so we we came up with the idea of why don't we get other people to come up with their celestial bodies that they admire and why they admire them they might have a story about it's possibly the first thing they actually saw in the sky or or whatever so we opened the doors to anybody out there you know uh, budding uh, astrophysicists uh, budding astrophotographers but we did actually get in touch with some professionals didn't we we did and uh, the first one to come through in june was dr maggie Liu from the european space agency who came up with her object of the month which was the whirlpool galaxy well we have had another object of the month have a listen to this Hello, my name's Mark McCorcoran. I'm the Senior Advisor for Science and Exploration at the European Space Agency. And for my object of the month, I've decided to go way off the beaten track and pick an object which many people won't have heard of, but it's called HH212. HH stands for Herbig Harrow, and these are two astronomers, George Herbig and Guillermo Harrow, who back in the 1960s or so started finding fuzzy patches on the sky near to places where they thought young stars would be being born and these these objects that became known as HH objects, Herbig Harrow objects, were thought, were found later on to be material flowing away from young stars. Now that's sort of interesting to begin with because when young, when stars form, material has to flow in to make a star. But what was discovered is that as the material spins in a disk, which is kind of the protoplanet system that, you know, with the Earth and Jupiter and everything, as, as the material spins into the star in the middle, some of it gets ejected out into jets of material that extend great huge distances across space, uh, above and below the plane of the disk, so to the North Pole and South Pole. And in the early 90s, I was working with a, uh, a bunch of astronomers, uh, Hunt Sinecker, John Rayner and others, and we were using some of the very first infrared cameras that would been put on telescopes. And we went to this p rather peculiar place in the sky near, near Orion, in the constellation of Orion, but a long way from the Orion Nebula. And we discovered some dots of material on the sky in a straight line, and it was only visible in the infrared, so you couldn't have seen anything in the visual. You needed this infrared camera. And as we sort of took more and more pictures and extended out along the, the knots, we saw symmetric pairs of knots 
on either side of a dark spot on the sky and then huge bow shocks, huge sort of waves moving through space. And we discovered this object, which is now known as HH212. Now, 212 is the catalogue number, but it's not a coincidence. Uh, we actually asked for that number in the catalogue because it's the wavelength we discovered it at, 2.12 microns, which is a wavelength where hydrogen gas, hydrogen molecules, when they get hit by energy flowing away from a young star, it heats up the gas and it glows at that particular wavelength. So HH212 is glowing in molecular hydrogen. And we've been studying it now for all the intervening years since the early 90s. And we can actually see it moving across space. We actually see it getting bigger and bigger. And it's expanding at, you know, on the order of 100 kilometers per second. And the reason I've chosen it is partly because we've been looking at it for a long time with all the biggest telescopes in the world. But it's one of the objects I'm going to be looking at when the James Webb Space Telescope gets launched in 2021. So I've put that in my guaranteed program to take super high resolution pictures, the sharpest pictures ever taken of this object. We'll see it moving relative to older pictures, but we'll find fantastic new detail. Uh, and that will help us effectively trace the history of how material has been falling in to this young star. It's only maybe 50,000 years, 100,000 years old, which is incredibly young. And because the pulsing of the knots moving away from the star reflect how material has been falling in. So uh, HH212, one of my very favorite objects in the sky, and uh, it's an amazing object. And it's such a beautiful thing to see in space as well. But you need to have infrared vision, so uh, you need to be a snake rather than a human being to see it. How cool was that? That's really cool. <laughs> not so, not something you can see with my telescope. <laughs> no. And we've got to thank Mark McCorcoran for actually submitting that for us. Um, such an amazing guy. And it is really cool to see, because as he said, everyone thought that everything just got sucked in by stuff like black holes and things like that, and the stars took everything. But it seems like actually quite a lot gets thrown out now. And then they're learning new and new and more and more stuff. I mean, it's a new star that's just been born. We know the Orion Nebula, is that's where new stars are the birth of the Mars, so not far from that. I think it was the Horsehead Nebula is near, not far from, which is not too far from that. Well, in space terms it is, but <laughs> in the sky it's not too far. It's when the web goes up, to yeah. see that in, I mean, we're going to get so much more clarity. I mean, it's going to be like, hopefully, it's going to be a jump from like when we had just the telescopes, ground telescopes on Earth looking up, and then suddenly Hubble went up, bang. It just opened up this whole new way of looking at stuff, didn't it? And what things look like and learn so much from it hopefully the web's going to do the same when it gets up there well when it when it eventually gets up there well um, yeah <laughs> it's been delayed so many times now but apparently it's all complete it's all ready it's all been tested fingers crossed there is nothing to stop it from launching in 2021 so um just watch this space and hopefully we can get mark back on the show and talk about his findings yeah that'd be cool imagine like he talks about it now then he goes and takes the pictures and does what he does with it and then he comes back on and says right here's what we found because yeah. they're going to understand like the birth of solar systems and stars and how how proto planets and all that are become yeah awesome isn't it i love it space is awesome 
Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spanheadproductions.weebly.com. So, Ross, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me, as always. We're not 100% sure what's happening with TGP Nominal this month because, once again, it's a busy month. But one thing we will be putting out is another piece of recording that I did with Mark McCorcoran from the European Space Agency all about the upcoming Space Rocks event which happens on the 21st of September which we will be attending. We will. Me for the first time. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It really is going to be fun. So what we're hoping to do with our content from that is it'll be too late really to put it out this month but next month is... World Space Week. <laughs> so we're going to put it in our World Space Week episode and uh, it's going to be something worth looking out for or listening out for as the case may be. <laughs> Once again, everyone, uh, as I like to say, take care one and all. Thanks for listening and we'll speak to you all again real soon. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.